0: You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit Romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. So before I begin the Dvar, I want to... I mentioned earlier that probably in about 45 minutes in Boulder, they're going to be starting the air service in honor of my Rebbe. Rebbe Zalman was one of the most important figures in American Judaism over the past 100 years. For those of you who don't know Rebbe Zalman, it's chaval. For those of you who don't, haven't read his work, haven't seen a YouTube video, feel free to uh, avail yourselves of all the resources that he generously left behind. So before we begin, in his honor, of course, I'm dedicating tonight's dvar to him. But more than that, Rabzalman, for those who knew, loved technology. He was at least 30 or 40 years ahead of the curve all the time. He was talking about computers before there were computers, and he was talking about what would become next. He was a huge sci-fi lover. So I want to I Skype him in right now from wherever he is. I think he would be smiling, those of you who know him, if I said Rav Zalman, is it okay to start? So let's start with the first question that he asked me. He heard my story. I met him in 2004 at Elad Chaim up in Accord, New York, at a retreat center that was the beginning, in so many ways, of the proliferation of Jewish renewal, what Jewish renewal was. And I was, uh, I guess... 34 going on, 35-year-old, second time dropping out of Orthodox seminary guy. And the first question Rabzalman asked me was, after I told him my story, he caught on one piece of it. I had told him that in my late 20s, I'd somehow been intrigued by the study of astrology, both ancient astrology and its modern expression. And of course... That was something that had been laughed out of me at modern Orthodox yeshiva. Many were those who quoted the Rambam and others, Maimonides and others, who saw astrology as a zarah. Not to mention all of the scientists among us who thought it was ridiculous, including myself. And R' when he heard that, and I had finished my whole story, said to me, "So nu, will you do my chart?" Sir Abzalman, I did your chart, the Leo that you are and were, the lion, the lion who roared in a purr, whose courage of the lion was profound. It is you tonight who I'm thinking about as we prepare to enter into this week's reading from the Torah. The name of this week's reading, Akev, means it will come to pass. Idiomatically, it will come to pass. By God, Akev Tishm'un, it will come to pass if you listen. That listening to the Torah, listening to the way of it, the way of Truth, the way of Moshe Rabbeinu, or the way of our teacher, the way of, of connection, as Rabbi Zaman would say, that way of logging on to that vibration that is the divine vibration. He would probably say something like the radio frequency, W G O D, you know. <laughs> this word, this strange word that becomes the name of tomorrow's reading, Akev. It means it will come to pass as a result of, and in the Near Eastern context in which it was introduced, it literally meant, I'm going to do my half of the bargain. I will do my part. Right? It means heal. Ekev, the word Ekev, heal. It means on the heels of. And it had its place in the technical jargon of contracts that were made between parties. If you agree... And you abide by your half of the agreement, if you abide, if you listen, then it will follow as night follows day, as the heel follows the body, it will follow that this and this will occur. I will keep my half of the bargain. This guarantee, this kind of quid pro quo is very simplistic in some ways, right? If you just keep the mitzvot, everything will happen. But you know something? We all know with our own eyes and our own ears and our own experience that that isn't the case and hasn't been the case for centuries. It hasn't always been the case that if you are a good little girl and little boy, if you abide by everything that you're supposed to do, that theology of God will be good if you are good fell apart long, long time ago. And so it probably is in the wake of that theological untenability, right? will be good. Amnisor will be good, right? And then God will be good back. That frames these two alternate readings for what Akev might mean. Everybody with me? What Akev might mean. If it doesn't mean an absolute correspondence between our goodness and the goodness promised to us, what might that word mean? And it led Rashi, the great medieval exegete, to say something very odd. Because Rashi, for those who know Rashi, Rashi almost always sticks with the pshat. He almost always sticks with what's the plain meaning of the word. And he should have said ekev means quid pro quo. Ekev means if you follow, you will. And Rashi says, ekev mitzvot shardam dash ba'akevotav. The word ekev means and should remind us that there are mitzvot, he says, there are elements of the Torah of this agreement that we trample with our feet that the things that get trampled with your feet, those small details will come back to haunt you, says Rashi. Make sure that if you observe, if you are obedient, make sure that you don't trample the small things. Rashi was probably trying to avoid the akev meaning, yeah, it'll happen exactly in a mirror reflection to you. But it gives us a deep insight into spiritual practice. The things that we trample with our feet are what trip us up, literally, figuratively. The details, the small things, the things that, that we overlook, those akev, those akev things, that we ignore those signs, whether they're physical signs in our bodies, in our hearts, in our relationships, the things that we, I'm on the way to a wedding this past Sunday, and all of a sudden I'm getting like a chest pain. Anybody ever get a chest pain? Now I'm not young anymore, I'm 45, thank you very much. (laughs) And I'm starting to feel this little chest pain, and I think to myself, ignore it, ignore it. We all have chest pains in various places in our life, things that we ignore at our own peril. Rabbi Zalman would often say to us, it's the little things that we have to notice, pay attention to, he often would say, that on Shabbat, given that it was a day of love, he would leave a little love note for his wife underneath her plate so that when she turned it over, she would get that small detail that was so big. Mitzvot adam dash otav, The little practices that we pay no attention to. Rashi says, those things are dvarima ha'omdim b'rumah Those are big deals. I met with a man this week who... Um, I met two weeks ago at a big conference, and I was so taken by his story, I had to go meet him, and I went into his office. His name is Adam Braun. And he started an organization called Pencils of Promise. 30-year-old, man, inspiring individual. His story is incredible. He was at an undergrad in Brown University. He was studying economics, and he went on a trip around the world, And during one of those trips, the the face of one of the children in Ghana touched him so deeply. And he ignored it. But it gnawed at him. And so he he then went on. He was going to go to Goldman Sachs. He had a whole financial future for himself. And in the middle of it, he had a, a crisis that was, he couldn't figure it out what it was. And so he went traveling again. And wherever he went, he started asking children this question, specifically children. He'd say, if I could give you something in the world, what would it be? If I would buy you something, what would it be? And in India, one day, he happens upon a child, and he says to the child, what can I buy you? And the child says, a pencil. I can buy you anything in the world. And the child says, give me a pencil. So you know what he does? He creates an organization called Pencils of Promise, and he opens up 203 schools around the world based on that one moment in his life where a child looked at him and said, all I want is a pencil. Wow. Mitzvot Shadam dash ba'akivotav, the little things that we don't pay attention to that happen to us every day are signs, they are signals, they are invitations transcendence. Those small moments that we ignore. That's one meaning of the heel of Akef. And now the second meaning that I want to leave you with that really speaks to me at this point in both my personal journey and where we are as a community, where we are as a world. You know, there was a great Buddhist teaching in this kind of third turning of the Buddhist wheel. And in that turning of the wheel, Buddhism said that there's something in the world called hearing the lion's roar. You know what hearing the lion's roar is? Let me give it to you through the teacher Trungpa Rinpoche, who wrote that The lion's roar is the fearless proclamation that whatever comes up in our state of mind, including powerful emotions, is workable. Let me say that again. Whatever comes up in our state of mind, including powerful emotions, is workable. He wrote, having problems come up is a way of destroying our credentials as well as our comfort and security. I love that phrase destroying our credentials like 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 problems come up in our mind we're feeling scared we're chaotic we're life is right we're on facebook we're thinking about palestine we're thinking about israel we're confused it's all happening in kansas city missouri robin williams passes away what is the what's happening lauren bacall the whole world is coming apart at the seams and the lion's roar is here go my credentials but I have a PhD, I got it all together, I no credentials. The lion's roar says, take it all in, let it pull you apart, and let that, that roar, that lion's roar can hold it all, yeah? Listen to what he says. So the chaos and the relating to the chaos should be regarded as good news, extremely good news, utterly good news. Enlightened experience is not exclusively for pacifists. Enlightened experience also means relating with energy, how to handle the eruption of tremendous energy, the waves and the waves of energy as it comes. This lion's roar, this lion's roar is the meaning for me of the second heel. The heel is that which is behind me but follows me wherever I go. You still there? The lion's roar says, Let me face you. Let me face you. Let me take everything that's behind me. Mitzvoch, Adam Dashbek Avotav, those things that we trample, those things that are behind us, those things that we think we can't handle, and we stand in as a lion and we say, I got it. It's chaos. Here I am. I welcome you. I have the courage to face you. I pull the heel and I make it into a face, my face. Bless you. <laughs> this is the meaning, Rabbi Zalman said, of the word in Hebrew, yirah. Yirah, which means fear, which appears over and over again in this week's reading and in the entire book of Deuteronomy, the word yirah that we as moderns, we think fear of God. What does fear of God mean? Rab Zalman told this beautiful story. Listen to this story. Rab Zalman said there was once a Muslim sheikh, a Sufi sheikh, who was much beloved by his students. I should say, I'm going to tell it like Rabzalman would tell it, if he doesn't mind. If you don't mind, I'm going to imitate you a little bit, okay. There was once a Sufi sheikh And he had wonderful students, wonderful students. And each of them came to them and said to the master, Master, what can we do? And the master said, here, what can you do, meaning what? They said, which of us will become your successor? And he said to them, by this test, I will know who you are. So he told all four of them, here, go out into a field and take a small bird. And when no one is looking... When no one is looking, I want you to kill the bird and bring it back to me as a sign of obedience. One by one, they went out, and each one of them came back. And all of the first three showed the dead bird to the master until the fourth student came. And sheepishly, he approached the master. He had the bird in his hand. And he opened, and he saw the live bird. And the master said to him, him, did I not give you explicit instructions to go? Somewhere where no one was looking and to kill the bird. And the student said to the master, I heard you, master. And indeed, I tried. But there was no place that I could go where there was no one looking. There was no place I could go where no one was looking. 'ah. Yir'ah. The says, Yir'ah, the fear of God is being seen by God. Not the mysterium tremendum e fascina of Rudolf Otto, that I'm in front of the great other and I'm terrified and I'm scared, but mysterium tremendum e charismat, the great mystery that cares, the great mystery that, that watches, the great presence in which I am unafraid. I'm fearlessly in the fear that is of being seen those things that are behind me, the akevs, all of that stuff behind with the great trust in God, I can then look at it and say, hello, that's the lion's roar. That's you, Zalman. That's you. That's that chart that you showed us, that leonine heart that roared and said, I can hold it all. I can hold the old world and the new world. I can hold being rejected by Chabad, and I can hold being embraced by the Native Americans. I can hold the nigun and the zikr. I can hold the Gaia and the goddess. Once in a generation, if that, a heart like that comes along. Once like that in a generation, a heart like yours comes along and teaches all of us how to heal, if you know what I mean. So we thank you for inviting us to remember that the small things matter and can change lives, and reminding us also that like your own Leonine heart, your own courage, you invited us to take all of those things that were behind us, to live backlessly as we face our fears. May God bless each and every one of us. May God bless each and every one of us with deep healing. May God bless each and every one of us with the power to roar like a lion. When a lion roars who can't be afraid, who can't be seen. Amen. I mean...